tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. <laughs> it's almost as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm Jesse Blount. And today we're going to be talking about chapters four and five of this here book, in which we get Penny's POV, which is great. She observes that Simon looks like shit. She is a very good friend, a very caring friend. And she just wants to get him the fuck out of Dodge for his own mental health. But you know, the whole chosen one thing. In chapter five, we're back in Simon's head. He and Penny grab some food and head back to his room to catch up and hang out. Though for Simon, there is not much to catch up about. And scene. <laughs> and some foreshadowing. But whatever. I'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. All right. So... Let's get started with Easy Come, Easy Go, where we talk about everything that doesn't belong anywhere else in this podcast structure. Do you want me to go first? No, I want to go first. All right, you should go first. Because I just need to say that this book makes me want to eat butter every second of every day. (laughs) No other book has ever had the kind of effect in terms of cravings on me that this book has. Like, I read this book... No matter how many times I read this book, I start reading and I'm like, I just want to eat so much fucking butter right now. Give it to me. The loving descriptions of butter is very satisfying. And I'm not even particularly fond of scones, but I definitely do. I definitely was like, damn, I need to make some scones after this chapter. Yeah. And like (sighs) butter scone sandwiches. I'm like, who... Did I know previous to reading Carry On that you could make a sandwich where the filling is so much fucking butter? No, I did not. Do I now want to eat that? Yes, I do. Uh, And lucky for me, I recently discovered that if you mix like one part coconut oil with one part olive oil and the tiniest little bit of lemon and a bunch of salt and use your stick blender to combine it, it tastes like butter. Oh, that's actually pretty similar to uh, the fake butter recipe that I make, where it's like, yeah, it's like refined coconut oil, so it's not coconutty, and like whatever kind of liquid oil. Mine has a like emulsifier, like a soy lecithin in it, so it holds together. Mm. But yeah, it's yellow. I think that's what the lemon juice does. Yeah, so it's like yellow and like creamy, and I'm fancy, so I brought artificial butter flavoring. But like, even without that, it tastes basically like Earth Balance. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that the sweetness of the coconut oil makes it taste more buttery because butter is kind of sweet. Anyway, I've been making it, and like, I'm a little bit repulsed by how quickly I eat it, which is in large part due to the fact that we're making this podcast. And so, like, every time I see it, I'm like, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> to find something to put that butter on and consume it right now because all I can do is think about butter. Listen, listen, all all decorum is off in quarantine life. 
Anyway. <sighs> yeah, butter. Your butter. turn. Uh, I actually only have one thing, which is, I mean, okay, Penny's really great. But what I love about the second, what I love about her chapter is that she spends half of it being like, we should just piece the fuck out. Which I love because I think in, if that were me, and probably a lot of us would be like, you know what? Fuck this place. Fuck this school. We should just leave and let everyone deal with this fucking war themselves. Yeah. Like, she already knows, she already has her boyfriend in America. They could just fucking leave, crash in Chicago, have a great time. Um, and I just like how realistic that is to be looking at the situation and being like, we could, we don't have to be here. I mean, we do have to be here because Simon is the chosen one and like magic itself could crumble without him saving it, which is a lot of pressure, but I just really appreciate that little bit of realism. Yeah, I agree with you. So my next one is just about the fact that there, blessedly, there are no house elves in this world and these students clean up after themselves and i really appreciate that i'm really glad again i feel like you said maybe in the last episode there are some of these really direct critiques of things in the harry potter series that are put in here as sort of a like answer to that and this feels like one of them it's very pointedly a like fuck you for putting slaves in your books yeah you know? Yep. It's, yeah, I'm just really grateful. And, like, I also love it because I'm like, they should make this happen at any school you're living at. Like, I wish they did some, like, colleges where it's, like, as opposed to shitting on the people who, like, clean the hallways in your dorm and serve you food, you should be doing this. You should be made to have to do this yourself. Yeah. You're practicing adulthood. Learn how to, like, clean and cook. Yeah, the collective house that Evan and I lived in when we first met, they had a policy that no cis dudes could move in who hadn't already lived on their own for at least like two or three years because they had had a couple of experiences with new housemates who moved in right out of college and literally didn't even know that like taking out the trash was a thing. And they were like, we're actually done being parents too these kids who like have no concept that houses don't just like run themselves yeah uh i don't know how to say this i sound like an asshole i feel those are the same kind of guys who leave college and like get an apartment but still take their laundry home to have their mom wash and fold yeah because i definitely i think the first time i met someone who's like yeah i'm taking my laundry to my mom's to my mom's house she can do it i'm like you're a grown-ass adult the laundry doesn't even cost money in your building. Like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. So what a good policy to have in a collective house, I feel like. Yeah. All right. So we learned that Baz is a vampire. <laughs> Which I love <laughs> so much. They're like, we don't have any concrete evidence, but he's totes a vampire. <laughs> I don't know why it's just so amusing to me, but it like it truly is. So, yay, Baz is a vampire. However, this does come with our first very awkward exposition of the book. This conversation between Simon and Penny is not casual. Like, it's very stilted. It's very staged. You know, it's very, like, 
cut scene to the next day where the characters are like following up about the thing that they absolutely would have talked about at the end of the scene that we saw the, you know whatever yeah which is just a little bit of like womp womp but it's like brief a, yeah i feel like it's not super noticeable i think it's pretty noticeable <laughs> Simon's like, here is a list of reasons that you are already deeply familiar with that I think that Baz is a vampire. I don't know. It's it's pretty awkward. I think I just hate it. I think I just don't hate it as much as I hate the ones that happen in HP. Yeah, I think that's because it's a conversation as opposed to uh, just like the narration. Mm -hmm. And my last thing is, is just... Dear listeners, this weird epilogue at the end of this chapter, we will have to talk about in the next episode. So when you're like, why didn't you address that bizarre thing that happened at the end of the chapter? It's because it belongs with the content of next week's episode. That's Mm -hmm. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. So, Simon is like, I don't know if starved is too extreme of a word, but he very clearly loses what sounds like maybe like 20 pounds every summer after, like in the three months between leaving Watford and getting back to school, which is an extreme amount of weight loss in a very short amount of time and it's upsetting yeah uh i mean yeah every everything he mentions about and passing about his care home experience is very upsetting and just highlights what an unsafe and stressful environment it is for him uh, especially compared to like the basic human needs that are met with that, that are being met at Watford. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like starved isn't the right word, but, like, definitely there's, like, some extreme, like, neglect going on or, you know, maybe just not enough to go around, perhaps. I'm not, not from the UK. I can only imagine what the care home system is like. I mean, clearly at then there's not a lot of resources. In. Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. I just... I didn't mean starved like someone is actively intentionally depriving him of food, but that like his body has actually entered like a state of, you know, his, the amount of like weight loss that he's experiencing is not one that happens from just, you know, not quite as much to eat as I would like. Yeah. Like his skin is hanging off his bones. Like that's a pretty severe level of like you did not eat enough for the last three months. Yeah. Um, we also learned that he sleeps he doesn't sleep in pajamas he always sleeps with his clothes on when he's in care homes because he presumably wants to be ready to like get up and fight i guess yeah i don't know yeah get up and fight or like need to make a quick escape of some kind but definitely just like a level of alertness that um no one should go through and it is unfortunate that simon as a child is going through this yeah definitely because of the fucking mage yeah yeah, and I think that it begs the question of what all Simon has gone through in the care homes, which I don't know I necessarily want to like speculate too much about because it's upsetting, but I don't know. I think that it is there as a seed of even even before 
all of the like i'm the chosen one in a magical war trauma i think that simon has experienced a significant amount of trauma in his life yeah definitely a lot of like instability and i mean just the trauma that comes from like having an unstable and unhealthy uh environment as a growing young person i mean it like literally fucks up your brain yeah for life so Maybe that's something to do with the fact that Simon is, it's hard for him to do magic. Oh, yeah. Your your brain is wired a little bit differently than everyone else's who grew up in their not traumatic childhoods, my friend. So Yeah. Yeah. What's next? <sighs> so many wars <laughs> that are happening. Which, I mean, feels very topical. <laughs> it's like... It's like the magicians are at war with like not human uh, beings, and also this thing with the humdrum, and also what was the third thing? I, I just want to say pure blood bullshit. But the I, old families, yeah. Purebred bullshit, basically. Yep. Which is like that one feels a little bit of a stretch to me to call it a war, but I. Th- which I think is relevant because like the mage seems like the kind of everyone is attacking me self-involved dude who would be like people who don't agree with me are waging a war against me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, presumably given what we learn of the prophecy, Simon's chosen one-midness is related specifically to the humdrum, but somehow he's involved in I mean, in the war with the dark creatures, I guess makes sense. It seems to be linked somehow with the humdrum. But then, like, he's also involved in in this war with the old families, which is like, what is he even doing there? You know, that has nothing to do with him or his, like, super magic powers. Yeah, I mean, basically nothing at all. Honestly, it's probably just the mage's fault for getting him involved in that shit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's the mage's sword. (laughs) The mage is also due to be, like, people who are against me and question my methods are also we're at war with them right yeah fuck that guy um <laughs> okay so we see simon's trauma showing up again in his discussion of how penny tells him that they're going to get a flat together after they graduate and he, it seems like no matter how frequently she tells him this he's like not going to believe her which is really consistent sort of he's like a good thing has been offered to me and it is much much safer for me to assume that that won't happen and let it surprise me if it does than it is for me to trust it and then potentially get let down i mean i also think probably that in his life there's probably been a lot of good things that are either fleeting or have been like sort of snatched away where it's like he just doesn't trust good things there. Yeah. Which is also a trauma response. Yeah. No, I think it's super normal. It's a totally reasonable, like, defense mechanism, but, and it's also really sad, especially because Penny does seem to be, like, the one consistent thing in his life. And even when it's coming from her, who is sort of, you know, the person that it's like he can trust her more than I think anybody else. And even when she's the one offering something that he wants, he still is like, 
it's safer for me to assume that she's going to leave me than to trust that she would follow through on this promise. My poor baby. Yep. Let's talk about the scene where Penny falls asleep in Simon's room and he like goes to like wake her up. This is maybe like one of my favorite scenes in this entire book. <laughs> Not gonna lie. It's so pointed. It's so again this sort of like educational moment that's slipped in to this book. And I I fucking love this scene. I love everything about the way it's constructed. I love everything about the way it plays out. Like, I think it's beautiful. Tell me more. Okay. So, there's the inescapable trope of, you know, boys and girls can't be friends with each other. There's always latent, like, sexual attraction. There's both fictional and IRL so many stories of you know teenage boys can't control themselves and blah 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 and the way that this scene is set up starts us off it sets us up to assume that something sexual is going to happen the description that we get of penny with like her hair splayed out on the pillow and like her skirt is hiked up and her thigh is bare and it's very tense and you're like you're you know you've spent this chapter being like their friendship it's so beautiful and then you get this moment where you're like what's gonna happen and then simon just like pinches her and is like get up leave my room <laughs> and it's great i like i just am like thank you thank you for giving us this like i i like it so much more than if he just had like hit her with the pillow and she had woken up and he was like leave my room mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's just nice that there can be this kind of friendship, yeah, like, not even the, like, littlest bit of secret sexual tension. It's like, no, not like that. Yeah, and even if it was like that, she's sleeping, and that's, like, not the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's great. I don't know. Pre my rant about how great it is, what was your feeling on the, the scene? I mean, I also just, I also really like it for all the reasons that you said. And also just to like get just like a non-sexual appreciation about what a babe Penny is. Mm-hmm. Just like reinforcing that is really nice. Penny is a fucking babe. Mm-hmm. It also, I just realized, also um, reinforces for us how comfortable she is around him. She feels completely secure to pass out in bass's bed and like not feel any sort of weirdness about that Mm -hmm. yeah thumbs up all around for me i just love bff found family friendships just so much (laughs) i think it's like my favorite thing in fiction hands down i'm a sucker for a found family yeah which i mean gay so like (laughs) surprise (laughs) aren't we all really yeah yeah, cool. God, we can end this bummer section on, on a high note. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Caught in a landslide. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Fuck, fuck, 
goddamn fuck the fucking mage. He is the worst. I just... <laughs> and just like the bit where Simon is like, oh, the mage is like protecting me. And I'm like, quote unquote, protecting you. Um, no, he's like isolating you from anyone who might, from any adult who might be in your corner to realize how fucking terrible the mage is treating you. Mm-hmm. And it's so upsetting. And even though uh, Eb is in his corner as an adult, it's like she's the only adult who seems to be like in his corner. And that is a problem. Mm-hmm. The part where the mage told Simon that he wouldn't let him become anyone's pawn. Like, I, w- I want to start just, like, screaming, honestly, <laughs> when I think about it, because, like, I mean, Simon has already himself told us that he is the mage's pawn, and then, like, I mean, I guess it's just another incident instance where we see how much the mage gaslights Simon, because it's simultaneously he's like you're my sword you're my weapon and then he's like i won't see you become anyone's pawn so like here's poor simon being like the mage is telling me that i have you know autonomy about the choices that i'm making even though i'm aware that he's making my choices for me like fuck gaslighting honestly yeah he's like it's totally fine that like i don't know any other adults you know magicians in my life like that's totally cool and i'm like no no one is not right. on top of the like fucking neglect you went through this super traumatic thing last summer have fun at your incredibly traumatic and shitty care home for three months cut off from everyone that you know it's just it's so upsetting because it's so clear to us as a reader like how much simon is of being uh manipulated and neglected by the mage but simon's yeah. like this is fine because he doesn't have the life experience to know any better. And of course, he's been so neglected that he's like, this low amount of attention that the mage is giving him, Simon's like, this is what having a father figure is like. And it's like, Right, and I think, I think that he's been told that it's fine by the mage, you know? And, and, and there's no one else to back it up besides other people his age, aka children. Right. Yeah, it's almost like when he's saying, like, you know, I made my own friends and, like, you know, people don't want to be friends with me because I'm the chosen one and whatever. Like, I feel like we are hearing things that the mage has told Simon come out of Simon's mouth that, like, Simon has internalized as being true. For sure. Because that's what gaslighting does. And Yeah, Yeah, things that the mage has probably told a literal 12 and 13 year old that now he's just like, this is true. Right. What, what else? I've I've made my own choices about who I'm like in like let into my life and who is like caring for me. And this is fine. Right. But of course this is the this is fine dog coffee mug fire is really where But Simon is like a little bit genuinely like this is fine and not like sarcastically this is fine. Right. I hate the mage so much. My poor baby Simon. <laughs> Just fucking leave with Penny, bro. <laughs> like fuck magic. Just peace out. You have yeah. all this gold. Yeah. Let England's world of mages do whatever is going to happen without Simon and go, right, Anchorage? Sure. Prague, sounds... what are the other places that are on Penny's list? Anchorage sounds great. Learn how to 
fish for salmon. It'll be perfect. Prague is fucking beautiful. Go there. Look at the architecture. Sh- sleep for like a month. Eat some cheese. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Casablanca is one of them. Morocco seems cool. Yeah, definitely it's, go there. It's, it's warm. warm. <laughs> we have really good priorities. <laughs> Listeners, when you live slash grow up in climates that are both dreary and or snowy, being in a warm climate is very important. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a big, a big drawing point for any location to go to. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's snow. It's like late. It's mid April, late April when recording this, and it snowed today. I hate that for you. Because fuck Michigan. I'm so sorry. This is my life. So, uh, next, next rant is again, this ridiculous world where everyone gets married right out of high school and poor Simon is just like resignedly going to get a house in the country with Agatha because that's what they do here. And we'll talk about how much he does not like Agatha when we get to the sexy section, but like... Even if he did like her, like they are going to be 18 years old when they graduate. What are they going to do in the fucking countryside? What are you going to do, Simon? This is a terrible plan. Why does Agatha want to move there? Like, no one wants that. I don't want that for you. Yeah, it's like the lack of enthusiasm is, again, I read a lot of advice columns slash posts on the internet and... This is exactly like he, three three years later, he would be like, I moved in with my girlfriend who I've known for like eight years to the country. Why am I so unhappy? And it's like, my dude, <laughs> because you just did the thing and didn't think about if you wanted it or not. You just did it because it was expected of you. Yeah. It's not, don't live your life that way. That's, you're going to be unhappy and wonder why at some point. Yeah. And oh my God. Right. Again, even if they were in love and, like, a good couple, I I think the countryside part maybe makes me, like, extra angry. I'm like, move to London. Move to Oxford. Move somewhere where you can, like, make friends and, like, go out at night and, like... Do stuff. Yeah. Look at cool things. Like, what the fuck are you... What are you gonna do? Like, have some chickens? Your children... You need to go have fun. You need to go play. Don't you, don't any of these children at Watford dare move to the countryside when they graduate. Especially Simon, who is honestly owed 10 years of being like, I'm going to do all that they missed out on because of my incredibly shitty childhood. Fuck y'all. Yeah. Right. Go do everything fun. Right. Go have a like ice cream cake birthday party at someplace cool. Go to the zoo. Go to the... Go to a club and get fucking wasted. Like, you know, whatever is, you know, feed some ducks in a park. Like, do some shit that he's definitely not doing. Yeah. You know? All of the things. Right. Whatever young people do for fun. I don't know. I've always been old. Like zoos and museums. I'm like, there's so many great museums in London. (laughs) Why are you going to clubs? There's, you could go eat a thing or look at some animals or some art or like go to the club. What what else do people do? <laughs> go to a different botanical garden every day. 
don't hang out with me and Jesse. We're very dorky. <laughs> <sighs> Great. Great yeah. rant. Yeah. Simon Simon needs something that brings him actual joy to his life because this sounds like a joyless a joyless situation because he is not into any of this. And I'm like, but you're so unexcited. Why are you still being like... I mean, I guess it's easier than being like having to think about his future, which he said that he doesn't do. So, And I guess I get it if you're like, I'm not even live to see it, so I don't want to get my hopes up, but still really sad. Yeah. It's like, dream, dream big, Simon. At least... Take it up one notch, you know. <laughs> dream the bare minimal amount of dreaming. Because <laughs> yeah. this is like not even a dream. This is, I don't even know what it is. It's not anything. It's, it's him being a Stepford wife. Yeah, it's toast with no butter on it. Just some fucking dry ass wheat toast. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Sends Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Cue those sexy wind chimes, like in the song. <laughs> yeah. Making a wind chime. That's not even- Anyway. What, what, what are wind chimes? Anyway. <laughs> None of this matters because you can't actually see me making this gesture. Um, yes, this section. Uh, Penny totally boned her boyfriend over the summer. Good for her. She sure did. It's great. And Simon's so oblivious, which is also sure, great. He, he sure is. <laughs> it's very tender, but I'm like, that's Riker. You fucking, like, you fucking, you on this, this, this vacation over the summer to Chicago? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> take, yeah. take a walk along the lake, bask in the Midwest goodness. Get your freak on. It's great. I love it. I'm just very happy for her. That's I'm cool. so happy for her. <laughs> definitely like what is this like five years into a long distance relationship you deserve a summer of like nothing but hooking up with your boyfriend for sure and they're like what like 17 like heck yeah the fuck else are you gonna have you guys been writing about for five years yeah (laughs) definitely increasingly increasingly sexier letters or phone calls it's they skype when they're not at Watford, and then write letters when they are, because they're not allowed to have electronics at school. There's totally some, like, sexy-ass Skyping happening. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, you know, they're, like, helping her dad with his research or whatever, and I feel like, at least once every day, they're like, Mike is gonna show me this thing that he's been telling me about. Okay, bye. And just, like, you know bathroom stalls the city over are have seen some stuff it's like oh we're gonna go grab uh this local delicacy the hot dog we're, we'll be back in like an, an hour yeah so um that's great but i did want to ask you actually what are your thoughts we do get this sort of penny's a grown-up now because she got fucked uh vibes from this scene that I think I don't love, but I don't know. What is your feeling on it? I mean, it's not super great, but I think it really just serves to hint to us that she was totally boning her boyfriend all, all over Chicago. So Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a very clumsy means to an end 
kind of thing. It also felt like, right, clumsy, I think is the right word for the idea of like 17 year old Simon being like, Penny looks like a woman in a little girl's clothes. I'm like, what are you, her mom? No, Simon Snow did not just have that thought. <laughs> I'm very sorry, but that character voice got dropped for a second there. Unless she fell out over the summer and is like looking real good in that skirt. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but that's not the tone that it's yeah. written in. Yeah, it's fair. Um, great. So I get to introduce the compulsory heterosexuality portion you sure of this do. conversation. <laughs> Simon, it's not my job to judge Agatha. It's my job to be her boyfriend. Womp, womp. It's, it's like my dude. You just... You have, like, no idea. And also, this is such a passionless relationship. Yeah, we get that, and he says, we'll work this out, we make sense together. And it's like, all of your litmuses for what being in a romantic relationship are, are wrong, Simon Snow. Yeah. I don't know, all I can do is gesticulate, you talk. (laughs) But I felt that probably happens a lot, where people are like, this is the thing to do. This is what is expected to, if you're, think that you're a heterosexual dude. You're like, well, this is our dynamic. This is what television says that we do. Especially if the culture is like magicians hooking up before they're 18 at school for like the rest of their lives. The fuck else is he supposed to think, you know? I guess. And I mean, he's like not interested in this relationship and also like other things on his plate. <laughs> that's true i mean that could maybe also dovetail into the amount of time he spends watching baz sleep oh my god (laughs) god bless him (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm just you know watching him sleep for my own safety quote unquote and i'm like "Mm." yeah penny is like yeah you mm, why Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's like, he literally can't hurt you. Why are you still watching him sleep? Yeah. Love it. Uh, and so then, last here, we have just, we have a, a canon lesbian couple. An, it's an so great! interspecies lesbian couple. <laughs> we, we love to see. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just great. You can be the annoying queer girl you like a roommate it's fine it's right they're like also like 17 and are probably like i haven't seen you all summer we're gonna like spend the entire time cuddling until my roommate leaves and then he can bone <laughs> i imagine that they're doing more than just cuddling even while penny is in the room like i don't know if you had those friends in high school who just were like yeah other people are here we're making out that's true but none of them were queer <laughs> okay. because everyone in my high school who was gay came out after high school <laughs> okay so. yeah but I, that's what i imagine like trixie's lack of personal space is is that she and her girlfriend are literally just like fucking going at it when penny is in the room because like penny's a jerk to trixie so trixie probably like doesn't like her and is like fuck her i don't care if she's uncomfortable <laughs> yeah that makes sense it's awkward for penny but sure, it sure is. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. <laughs> oh man, I feel like I definitely knew people who had this experience sharing dorms in college. 
Yeah. Which is why dorms are a scam. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> okay. Any other things here? Did you have anything else about Simon and Baz? No, I think that's all we get. It's just that Simon watches him sleep. Just like normal enemies do. You just, yeah. You just watch him sleep all the time. And wonder about why his mouth looks so full. Oh, my God. <laughs> just staring at his lips being like, oh, yeah, it's because you've been sucking the blood of rats in the catacombs. No other reason could possibly be for this. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's like so pleasant sometimes about just like how much Simon doesn't pick up about his like and I mean I guess it's true for a lot of us queer people where we're just like oh wow how did I not realize sooner about this incredibly gay thing I did as a child (laughs) yeah that's for sure precious precious baby Simon little baby fawn in the woods Simon Someday I'm going to have to put together a compilation of all of the different, like, cute names that you call Simon. It's gonna, it's only going to get more ridiculous I as know. the book progresses. Oh, it's beautiful. I hope so. This is, this is a random question. When did we get a physical description of Simon? Like, we get a little bit here. I think it comes in, in bits and pieces. Yeah, because right now all we have is that he's broad-shouldered and broad-nosed and his head is shaved well it's not currently shaved but his hair is short right yeah i don't know i was just like reading that and like i was like is simon like (laughs) multi-ethnic but i'm like i don't actually remember what we when we get a description of him i mean so an interesting thing simon is canon supposed to be white uh, but everything about the physical description of him does not read white to me, which is interesting. There's like yeah. a particular model that I've seen that like fits the description of Simon perfectly. And I've attempted to find pictures of this person and have failed because I don't know how to use Google or something, but the descriptions that we get, like he's broad nosed, he has a lot of moles, he has red hair, his skin is only ever described as tawny, and I think he has green eyes. Yeah, I feel like it was the nose thing in this chapter that gave me pause, where I'm like, hmm. And his hair is curly. So, I mean, I personally, yes, I read Simon is biracial even though like there's a lot of points in the book where we're like not supposed to like with Penny checking his whiteness in the first scene that we get with her. But it's also kind of like, I don't know how to say this. If he's like grown up where everyone is assuming he's white, but he like they're not sure, but there's not enough other additional kind of like quote unquote, like ethnic triggers to be like, Oh, well you're not white, you know, for people mm-hmm. to be like, well, I guess you're white. So Mm. or like i mean i was an incredibly pale child uh like an incredibly pale baby so like if it's a thing where like simon was way paler when he was younger and then he got older and it's like you have a tan you know or Mm -hmm. like you're tawny now like what the fuck does that mean it's like olive like 
I mean, I'm just saying whenever I read anyone being Olive Todd, I'm like, oh, they're a POC. Oh, for like. sure. Right, like. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, Todd. Everyone like. in District 13 in The Hunger Games. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No no one is white in that district. Nope. Fuck you guys, movie casters. Yeah. Anyway. 100%. 110%. So yeah, that's why I'm kind of like... Peter, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, I don't, I'm probably going to continue to not read Simon is White. Great. Yes, please. And this is... I don't know. It's... Have you ever, have you ever read American Gods? Is that Neil Gaiman? Yeah. No. Anyway, so the main character in American Gods, Shadow, he is biracial. They don't directly say it until the middle of the book, but literally a ton of people that he meets are like, what the fuck race are you? Like consistently until the middle of the book. And Hmm. it's like, which I felt conflicting feelings about because I'm like, can you make this clear before the middle of the book so I know who the fuck to visualize? I mean, the guy they cast for the show is very clearly not white and also very handsome side note um so it's definitely much clearer but i just got so stuck on your he's very handsome face that you made which was a really good face that actor is like just ridiculously it's like it's i don't know anyway i'm I'm gonna look him up as soon as we're done recording okay yes great so escape from reality canon simon is not white I'm going to try yeah. for the millionth time to find a picture of this model that I think, like, if you went through and checked the boxes of every physical description of Simon that we get, this person has them. Oh, hello there. This is Future Lark here to report that I did, in fact, find the model that I was talking about here his name is george hard and if you want to see what the escape from reality uh headcanon simon snow looks like head over to instagram and look up george underscore hard and you will find him and i just want to preemptively say to everyone listening that biracial or multi-ethnic can mean a variety of things also, black people can't have red hair, so don't come at me with any of that bullshit. Yeah. Okay, thanks. And green eyes. And green eyes. Yeah. You can literally Google that to see photos of black people who look like Simon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Don't don't at me at this because I will fight you. Or block you because I don't actually want to fight you because this is not a thing I want to argue about. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about, let's go to the next section. <laughs> Sounds great. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and magical creatures and prophecies. Yeah. Let's start with prophecies, because I'm excited about prophecies. So we get get a prophecy here in this book. Let's talk about it. It rhymes. Why do prophecies always have to rhyme? That's a question that I have. Yeah, I don't know. Is it just to help you remember them? Like the oracle or whatever is just like helping you out. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you you're not the one, so you can just keep going about your business until you realize you're the one. Anyway, uh, I love The Matrix. Or it's not about The Matrix. (laughs) 
That prophecy didn't rhyme, but it's also a, a movie, so never mind. Yeah, I don't know why they always have to rhyme. All the prophecies in the Percy Jackson books rhyme. They sure do. <laughs> is it like, I don't know, is this a hold a holdover from... Okay, I haven't read much classical literature, but I know that like in Greek, classic Greek writings, there's like prophecy and shit like that. So maybe it's a holdover from... Like, that like from other literary works in history that a prophecy rhymes or is somehow mm, melodic yeah i guess that makes sense it seems more like mystical if it's not just someone being like someone with more power than anyone has ever had before is gonna come save the world of mages it's like oh that's a boring prophecy (laughs) i wouldn't actually love to read something where right the prophecy didn't rhyme and it was just like well it's just super straightforward (laughs) (laughs) you gotta kill this guy (laughs) in order for us to be okay so get on the get on that (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. great um i want to talk about i just call them muggleborns uh there are no Magical children born of non-magical people in this world. Allegedly. Allegedly. I I don't think I'd buy it. It does seem weird. I do appreciate that there are apparently no magical orphans, even though, like, also that can't be true, but... Yeah. I mean, especially, like, what if your parents die? Or I guess maybe there are no magical orphans just means that they're always taken in by other magical families but so nobody's oh no go ahead i was gonna say no one's living in a cupboard under the stairs in this world (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) except simon so basically here's my argument given that mages are humans they're not a different species being magic has to be a genetic mutation that happened you know however long ago and then like when people who both have that genetic mutation have babies their babies have that genetic mutation but that means that people can be born with that genetic mutation that's literally what it is that's you know i what i think i was i'm re-watching doctor who right now and was watching the episode where they posit that the royal family are werewolves which is rooted in the fact that they have hemophilia right and the doctor says something like the the disease like is disease the right word for hemophilia i don't know but like it just shows up out of nowhere and like that is literally the definition of a genetic (laughs) mutation it's like you don't have to get bit by a werewolf for like a new thing to be happening that your is passed down through your lineage someone is born with like a thing that's new and then they can pass it on so moral of the story my argument is that there definitely have to be magical people that are born to normals every so often it might not be super common right Mm -hmm. and maybe they just like don't find their way to the world of mages maybe they never figure out that they can do magic maybe they do and like hide it or just are like witches but the way that we're witches and whatever i don't know and like i mean i guess i don't want to say i guess i don't want to say this kind of like inbreeding aside 
which is kind of the assumed part that like everyone's probably a little bit related if you're doing this right um is that it's not stopping folks from like being people and fucking normals and maybe not being totally protective when they're doing that so it's not like there aren't like magical genes like not out in the world too right i guess that's a question of if it's a dominant or a recessive gene would children born to like would half-bloods be magic or not because if it's a recessive gene then magic a a kid with one magic parent would almost certainly not be i feel like considering how small the magical world is it seems like Mm -hmm. it is probably recessive so it must happen very rarely yeah that makes sense because otherwise it would make so much more sense for them to intentionally be like go out into the world and fall in love with normals because it would expand the gene pool which would be a good idea yeah this is a thing that i also feel strong about in harry potter which we will get to at some point Mm -hmm. (laughs) about like stop inbreeding please for the love of god (laughs) but we're not talking about harry potter talking about carry on we are uh (laughs) we're talking about carry on where there is an idea uh that one can waste magic which we just get very briefly here. Uh, but that combined with the fact that... W- I think in the last chapter, they talked about the war to save magic, right? And so there's this idea that magic is a finite resource, question mark. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's interesting because at this point, we don't totally know if this is like a thing that people think or a thing that is actually rooted in factual truth about magic. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it could also maybe be Simon's own thoughts about his magics being so uncontrollable that maybe just like these sort of casual uses of magic make him being like, didn't have to do that. Because for him, it is sort of a like, I almost like a finite source. He can't do casual magic, really. Right. So anything casual is like, why would you, why would you do that? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The roommate's anathema. Anathema. Do you know how to say that word? Nope. Me either. You were asking literally the wrong person about trying to pronounce anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, whatever. The thing where they can't physically harm their roommates. It's pretty cool, I think. A little intense. Yes. I mean, any kind of zero tolerance policy is very intense. But maybe for the best, especially if there is potential feuding between old families to not have to... No one's being murdered in their sleep. Yeah. What was I going to say? It seems like, you know, this policy, especially in a school where, like, every all the kids can do magic, like, the potential for them to harm one another is pretty intense i think i would feel a lot better about it if they could apply for a new roommate you know (laughs) if you had a roommate that you did for instance want to punch regularly instead of being cast out from school and never allowed back you could just be like i need a new roommate yes i totally agree with you i do wonder though since the magic world is so very insular if it is advantageous for you to be able to tolerate the people that you're going to be seeing for the rest of your life, potentially. 
Yeah, but not have to like sleep in the same room with for the rest of your life. Yeah, hopefully. that's true. This is the, this is the, this is the same scam about college dorm rooms. Like let people just be able to switch rooms if their roommate sucks. What there the lesson where is a, there's no lesson being taught besides have fun suffering living with someone you literally don't know. Yeah, agreed. In terms of like the the spell question mark itself, so you get warnings up to a certain age, is that right? Or up to a certain year in school? I mean, they're both pretty much one and the same. I guess uh, that's true. I, I think I'm just really curious, like we, in the same way that we talked about like the leprechaun gold, I'm curious, I'm deeply curious about sentient magic, right? The spell senses age. It's, you know, cast over the whole school, but it responds differently to younger younger children. And I'm really interested in that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like a weird timer spell. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Or maybe it's somehow linked to the magic of the room itself, since we know that Simon has to let the room be reacquainted with his magical signature whatever. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that is sort of wrapped up in this roommate protection spell too. It's just really interesting. It's like Alexa; it's always listening to you. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else here? The only thing left I have is about the spells. Okay. And mainly, I just wanted to have an LOL about the possible call me maybe spell. <laughs> Which is like, what a throwback. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I want to end on that too. Let's speculate about what one would use the spell Call Me Maybe for. Uh, A compulsion spell to make someone actually call you. (sighs) Yeah, I guess. But like gentle, because maybe. So maybe a spell to make them think about calling you. So like if someone's taking too long to get back to you, you could cast call me maybe and it would just like bring you into their mind, which still is a little bit fucked up. What if it like gave you the confidence to be like, I'm going to call you back or I'm going to call you since you gave me your number because phone anxiety is real, y'all. Ooh, like you cast it on yourself? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I like the idea of confidence boosting spells. Me too cute into it that song's gonna be stuck in my head forever (laughs) thank you for listening to escape from reality next week we will be reading chapters six seven eight and nine two of which are one sentence long So if you're reading along with us, go ahead and read those in preparation. And of course, by next week, I mean in two weeks, because this is a bi-weekly podcast. If you like this content, you should check out our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, where we talk about Harry Potter with much the same energy that we are talking about carry on. Only way more ruthless. (laughs) (laughs) There's just so much more to be ruthless about. Sure is. You should also 
review us wherever you listen to this podcast at. Leave us, give us five stars and leave us a review because we are very sad and reviews make us feel so much better in this time, <laughs> this, in this time of quarantine. Uh, also helps people find us, which is always great. Yeah. Also tell all your friends about our podcast and tweet about our podcast at Rainbow Rowell. You know, that'd be great. And uh, follow us on social media, also through our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet. We are at The Gaily Prophet on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we're at thegailyprophet.com. And we have a lot of cute merch there. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegailyprophet. Yeah, if you want to hear more from me in between episodes, I am on Twitter at jesse underscore detroit and on instagram at live from detroit you can follow me on instagram at lark malachi that's l-a-r-k-m-a-l-a-k-a-i and the music and our theme song is by kevin mcleod our show art is by theo julian forrester oh we should probably also mention that the title and the section transitions are by queen which you should already know about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, we should mention that. <laughs> All of the transitions are by Queen. Please don't report us for using them. I don't want the podcast to get pulled for copyrighted We can we definitely we totally cannot afford to pay for the rights of this music, so just, just don't 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 tell anyone that part. We're not making Thanks. any money. Leave us alone. <laughs> We're we're just we're just poor boys from a poor family. <laughs> Spare us our life from this monstrosity. Until next time. Scatamoosh. Scatamoosh.